0: Okay, guys, this is a big one, so. Well, hey there, everybody. We'd like to invite you to visit South Dakota through the eyes of local Lou. She'll take you on a tour of lots of things to see and do. So enjoy your virtual visit. Hi and welcome to the Local Lou podcast. I'm so glad you guys are joining me today so we can talk about a historical marker and some South Dakota history. Guys, I have been wrapped up in today's historical marker for far too long and I'm finally ready to share it with you. I absolutely could not narrow down what historical marker to share with you guys next. I've been looking into so many different interesting historical markers on my own, as well as suggestions from listeners and followers. Yes, you heard that right. I was quite possibly, I mean, I think it was a sentinel moment the other day when someone wrote to me that they were at a park that they go to. They've been there. And then they saw this historical marker that they had never really noticed before. But now they're always on the lookout because of my Instagram account. Pretty sure that comment made my day, week, month, or even my year. (laughs) Walking past this week's historical marker, so far dozens of times this summer, it's easy to understand that we pass by history all the time. And we take it for granted, structures that still stand. I've even shared this historical marker several times in my Instagram story when I'm on walks because it's kind of an interesting spot. It has two different historical markers that are about 10 feet away from each other. I often refer to them as dueling historical markers. A friend even sent me a really good Argus Leader article from a couple years ago, and I read it and I thought, wow, I did not know any of that. And still, I couldn't decide what historical marker to do. Sheesh, sure feels like I should be getting a sign, right? Sometimes we burn them or build them over troubled waters. You can't cross one till you come to it, and some are too far. I know I've spent a good amount of time walking all over them the past few weeks. Today, we are talking about bridges, specifically the historical marker at Yankton Trail Bridge. But here's the exciting part. The bridge is still there and operational. As you know, not all historical markers that we look at have a physical thing you can touch and use and walk all over. I mean, not something you're supposed to touch. You're allowed to touch this. It's fine. Along the Sioux Falls Bike Trail, deep in the growing area off 57th and Western is a bridge. And if you're not looking for it, you might not see it. And it's a shame in this photo-obsessed era because it is one of the most photogenic bridges along the bike trail. Getting from one side of the Big Sioux River to the other is not a thought that enters my mind, even though I cross that river multiple times a day. The Big Sioux River is a substantial river, but it isn't even the biggest river I've lived near. I lived near the Mississippi, and it never dawned on me. Never! Even then, that crossing it without a bridge would be like a whole thing. If I learned anything from Oregon Trail, it's that I have too much faith in fording the river, and I never take a ferry. And it's almost always a bad idea. Can you imagine the chaos that I would create trying to cross this river without a bridge several times a day? Oh, my wagon is gone, right? The other evening, I was crossing the Yankton Trail Bridge. I was so appreciative of its massive size because another family was, like, coming towards me from the opposite direction. And neither of us needed to alter our course in order to maintain a social distance. At the point we were the closest to each other, though, their four-ish-year-old kid... Stopped dead in their tracks, ditched their razor scooter, ran up to me, poked me with one hand while pointing with the other one at the Big Sioux River, and said to me, Look, there's an octopus! The father immediately apologized for his child's actions, and I immediately looked to where the kid was pointing because just because I haven't seen a freshwater octopus in the Big Sioux River does not mean it doesn't exist. What if the kid was right? So I did look, but there was no octopus. (laughs) So I grinned, and I walked away, and I turned back one more time. And when I did, I saw the two historical markers, the dueling historical markers, at the end of the bridge. And I've seen them so many times before. But again, it had still not occurred to me that I want to know more. So many pieces fell into place. I'd recently visited, again, Mount Pleasant Cemetery and saw the grave of Cashman and thought the name was familiar. And then when I was done with my stroll at Yankton Trail, I stood there at the Yankton Trail Bridge historical marker and I read it. A light rain started and it kind of tickled my skin. And then I read Leonard Cashman on the historical marker. And I realized I do believe it's time. Historical Marker Yankton Trail Bridge. This site has been an important Big Sioux River crossing for more than 300 years. As early as the 1700s, the Yankton Sioux forded the river here and often made camp when en route to pipestone quarries in Minnesota. After the slaying of Judge Amidon and his son William during the Dakota Conflict of 1862, the entire population and their cavalry escort fled Sioux Falls City and crossed the river at this point. Later, federal troops used this ford when traveling between Fort Dakota, 1865 through 1869, and Fort Randall. A ferry was established here in 1880. Three years later, local carpenter Leonard Cashman built the first bridge, a primitive wooden affair, at this crossing. Builder S.M. Hewitt constructed the Yankton Trail Bridge in 1895, a rare example of a pin-connected Parker through truss bridge. It is an elongated rectangular steel span, 177 feet long by 21 feet wide originally used by horse-drawn wagons and buggies traveling the Yankton Trail. Its roadway was a wooden plank floor. The old Yankton Bridge was listed on the National Register of Historic Places 1999. Yankton Trail Bridge, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Leonard Cashman was a cabinet maker that moved to the Sioux Falls area in 1880 to work on the Queen Bee Mill. Cashman was one of those builders that worked on Phillips House, a home constructed near Covo Lake in what is now Terrace Park that was eventually purchased by the city of Sioux Falls and used until the mid-60s when they tore it down. And then the Queen Bee Mill, which we'll get into at another time, which is also now about 75% gone, what's left is ruins. The original bridge he built at Yankton Trail also gone. It's sad to think that all of Leonard's hard work is gone to the sands of time, but they also serve their purpose. History of Minnehaha County, South Dakota by Dana R. Bailey says, quote, When 15 years of age, he commenced railroading, but two years later engaged in carpenter work and at 20 years of age went to Minneapolis, Minnesota and learned the mill rights trade. October 22, 1880, he came to Sioux Falls and worked for about two years at the Queen Bee Mill. The next seven years, he had a carpenter shop in Sioux Falls and carried on a farm and since then has engaged in traveling salesmen and collecting. Mr. Cashman is an active, enterprising citizen, End quote. Leonard Cashman's obituary notes that he died at the age of 82, having spent 60 of those years here in Sioux Falls. He was born in New York State, but moved when his father joined the Union side of the Civil War. He then lived in Ohio, Illinois, then Minnesota, before finding his forever home here in South Dakota, settling down, marrying Nettie Ione Brown, and having six children. Now, you will see some sources say five, but the sixth is Ray, who died in infancy, who is also noted in the obituary. The family remembered him. Eventually, Leonard, in his 60s, started having health issues. They called it an increasing incapacity of the lower limbs. For such a busy work-with-your-hands type, I'm sure it was probably really hard to slow down. When he dies, he's buried in Mount Pleasant Cemetery in Sioux Falls, which again is a cemetery that we visited previously to find the grave of Mary Egan, and I somehow casually found Leonard's grave while I was there, and I just didn't even know I was looking for it. The obituary mentions many of the building accomplishments from schools and banks and homes, but it doesn't mention that bridge. And it's surprising because I feel like the primitive wooden affair, as it were, while simple, was a huge deal. Being able to just cross a river when you wanted is a game changer. So that's the old, old bridge builder. But what about the old bridge builder? And well, maybe... Maybe someone can help us bridge that gap. From a National Register of Historic Places registration for the Old Yankton Trail Bridge, quote, The bridge is individually eligible for the National Register under Criterion A for its role as an important river crossing. It is also eligible under Criterion C for its association with an important 19th century bridge fabricator, S.M. Hewitt. And because it was built during the 1890s, the period of transition from the use of wrought iron to use of steel, the Old Yankton Bridge was built at a site known as the Yankton Crossing, where the Yankton Sioux Falls Road crosses the Big Sioux River. Prior to the construction of the Old Yankton Bridge, there was another bridge at this site. As early as 1882 to 1883, when the county commissioners authorized construction of a bridge of unknown design to be erected and constructed upon substantial stone abustments laid in cement. In 1895, the existing bridge was deemed unsafe and closed, pending construction of a new bridge, Class F Bridge, to be carried on iron tubes. This evidence suggests that the new bridge is the present structure. The bridge builder was S.M. Hewitt, an important 19th century bridge fabricator. In the 1870s, Seth Maurice Hewitt was lumberman and a small-time builder of wooden bridges in Hamburg, Iowa, noting that as a Midwest development, there was a constant need for more bridges approximately in 1882 he moved to minneapolis to work exclusively in the bridge building business for a brief period in 1883 to 1884 hewitt formed a bridge contracting partnership with commodore jones another pioneering bridge builder from minnesota but that partnership dissolved with hewitt eventually establishing his own sm hewitt and company in 1887 End quote. Good old S.M. Hewitt is the man who has derailed me for so long, guys. I feel like I could research him another week of super late evenings. I keep finding more and more, and then I want to know more. Well, we will start with some interchangeable, complicated pieces. S.M. Hewitt, Seth Maurice Hewitt, or Seth Morris Hewitt. Let's not forget, sometimes Hewitt is spelled Hewitt and other times it's spelled Hewitt. The E and the I, I guess, are interchangeable. E, I, oh. As if that weren't just a little on the turkey side, the clincher comes in with WS Hewitt, William Sherman Hewitt. And of course you can spell that Hewitt however you want, apparently. Well now WS is SM's nephew and for a while they actually worked together and I found some nice well-meaning websites attributing bridges to the wrong Hewitt. What's more complicated is pending on the time frame when they were built, the wrong Hewitt might be the right Hewitt. Sure, WS could have actually helped him design or construct or whatever the bridge, but it was still SM's company. Other times, W.S. is getting credit for S.M. Bridges, even though W.S. had left to build his own bridge-building company. Sure hope he didn't burn any bridges. According to the National Register of Historic Places registration form for Old Yankton Trail Bridge, quote, S.M. Hewitt held the annual contracts to build all bridges in Minnehaha County from 1893 through 1897, with the exception of 1896 when the annual contract was awarded to the Toledo Bridge Company. The old Yankton Trail Bridge was built in 1895, end quote. As I see bridges being attributed back and forth to SM or WS, I found a Minnesota Bridge historical document that explained of their own historic bridge, quote, Located three miles west of Kingston, Bridge 90980, also known as the Salisbury Bridge, carries an unpaved north-south local road over the north fork of the Crow River. According to the builder's plate, the bridge was built in 1899 by Hewitt Bridge Co. This would have been the company owned by Seth Maurice Hewitt rather than William S. Hewitt Company, also of Minneapolis. Bridge 90980 has an overall constructed length of 144 feet and it's comprised of steel pin connected Pratt through truss. End quote. This explains to me why many people have simply gone off Hewitt and they choose maybe one that's more well known. If it says it's a Hewitt Bridge, oh, WS. Gotta be. Let's go ahead and wrap up this whole W.S. talk with an excerpt from the National Register of Historic Bridges in South Dakota. Quote, William S. Hewitt is another Minneapolis-based contractor who was active in South Dakota in the early 1900s. He had started his career in the 1880s with his uncle, S. M. Hewitt. In 1896, William began his own William S. Hewitt and Company. Like the other bridge builders from Minneapolis, Hewitt extended his market area as far west as Montana and bid on many South Dakota projects. His only known surviving South Dakota bridge is a 60-foot, pin-connected, half-hip Pratt Pony Trust, built in 1902 and now spanning the South Fork of Snake Creek near Zell in Falk County. In 1907, William Hewitt and his cousin, Arthur L. Hewitt, formed the Security Bridge Company of Minneapolis and their new firm continued to be a major regional bridge contractor. The Security Bridge Company's oldest surviving bridge in South Dakota is a 70-foot pin-connected Pratt Pony truss built in 1908 and now spanning an irrigation ditch near Brant in Dual County. The longest security bridge company span surviving in South Dakota is an 80-foot pin-connected Pratt through truss bridge built in 1909 over the South Fork of the Snake Creek River in Folk County. A longer through truss built by the security bridge company survives in Watertown, but it has lost its integrity. Originally built in 1911 as a vehicular bridge, the superstructure has since been moved to the city zoo and has been adapted for use as a monkey cage. End quote. I'm not gonna lie, guys. I did not see that whole monkey cage thing coming. I guess I've never had to repurpose a bridge, but that, that is that is some good thinking. I wish I was there for that conversation. Well, What do you think we should do with this bridge? Well, it'd be a shame to get rid of it. Oh, no. Yeah, can't get rid of it. That'd be awful. Yeah. You know, the zoo could use a monkey cage, though. Oh, now you're cooking with gas. Yeah. Say no more. In an August 10, 2018 Argus Leader article by Stu Whitney, the Yankton Trail Bridge is referred to as being hidden in plain sight in 2010 due to overgrown vegetation. They also describe a renaissance of sorts, all set off by a photo. Nancy and Cameron Carlson, local business owners, had often used the bridge for recreation, personal use, and Nancy took a photo of the bridge covered in fresh fallen snow. This photo inspired her and others to care about the history and upkeep of the bridge, and it was just that spark needed to start a fire. My favorite part of the article is the ethereal whimsy more than historic, but I must include it. <laughs> Whitney writes, quote, It's utilitarian purpose lessened. The bridge finds itself in a recreation-based role surrounded by weekend cyclists and wedding photos, with a story that yearns to be told. End quote. The bridge is the original bridge from 1895, but it's been renovated. Whitney says, quote, When renovations occurred in 2010, the structure was sandblasted down to its rusted steel, with plans to paint the exterior. But it looked nice the way it was, says Parks and Rec Director Don Keary. We put a clear sealant on it and left it alone. End quote. I love this bridge as is, and when I share photos on Instagram, I think you guys are all going to see what a beautiful choice it was to leave a clear sealant on. Keep all the historical charm and the natural ambiance. The Argus Leader article describes the Carlson's journey to get the bridge the recognition it deserves, and that includes the historical marker that led me to it. For that to happen, they worked with Bruce Blake whom was a local historian and the creator of the Historical Marker Program here in 1988. Bruce also happened to be a great many other things, like a veteran, a lawyer, a husband, but at this moment, he was the director of the Minnehaha County Historical Society. If you read the article, you will see that there is another interesting part of this story, the story of Walner Gardens. But we will get to that when we come to that. You guys stay tuned because they may just have a historical marker of their own. They do. I've shown it on my Instagram stories. Okay, we've heard it a few times now, but the Yankton Trail Bridge is a pin connected Parker through truss. So, what is a through truss bridge? <laughs> USBridge.com gives a definition. Uh, By the way, fancy word warning, guys, through truss bridge. A through truss bridge is one in which the roadway dissects the truss, meaning the truss is seen both above and below the deck. All right. We all just, well, I mean, I learned something new. I don't know if you did, but I did. In looking at my Hewitt, good old SM, I found another bridge that I would be remiss not to mention here. Shoneman Park in Laverne, Minnesota, just south of the drive-in right off the interstate, has another unique bridge by Hewitt and Company, a King Point Pony Truss. And I also just so happened to make a quick pilgrimage out there to walk across that bridge. And I will say, SM Hewitt really knows how to make a photogenic bridge. I will be posting pictures of both this and the Yankton Trail Bridge on my Instagram if you want to take a good look at them. Otherwise, you can go ahead and just Google them. I think you will fall in love with both of them, no matter how you look, whether it be in person or online. I believe I may be just ever so slightly more in love with the bridge at Shoneman Park because it's small, it's unique, and it is bright red. I've read in the 1890s there was no steel in the immediate area. Sioux Falls, South Dakota kind of area. The only historic steel company that pops into my head for Sioux Falls is Sioux Steel. And that didn't start up until around 1918. So that Yankton Trail Bridge was made out of high-tech, innovative steel, but it was Cambria steel shipped here for construction. The layer I love for this story is the fact that I took a few up-close impersonal photos of the Shoneman Bridge in the park. And the beams said, as plain as day, Cambria. A couple days go by, and I'm casually sitting in a park in South Dakota, reading. And all of a sudden, it comes to mind, I better pop over to Yankton Trail Park and check real quick to see what the beams say. And so I run over there, and it's dark. doesn't matter because I have a flashlight. And so I'm over there, and I'm checking the beams, and sure enough, they say Cambria. So, stories checks out, guys. I like having more than one source, but being able to cross-reference something like that, it felt pretty good. Real good. Of course I say that, and you guys may be starting to see me as one of those people with, like, a room full of maps and pictures and pushpins and strings and newspaper clippings. I'm not saying that isn't true. I'm just saying it's fine. It's probably all fine. Okay. So, Seth M. Hewitt, because we don't know if it's Maurice or Morris, but I can understand that Maurice and Morris and Morris and Morris? Maurice and Morris are very close, so I can understand that discrepancy there. And it isn't exactly etched into his headstone, so nothing set in stone, guys. Seth Hewitt was born June 23rd, 1842, in Maine, and died July 31st, 1914, in Long Beach, California. He married Maria Keene in 1871, and they proceeded to have a family, though the amount in the names of the children is kind of where my research fell apart a little bit. With a little more time, I really think I could have tracked down a living relative with one of the sources that I was working with. Then I sh- thought, should I, should I do that? <laughs> should I start historically harassing people? I guess I will have to cross that bridge when I come to it. Thank you guys so much for joining me today in this amazing historical marker journey to the Yankton Trail Bridge in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I appreciate all of you guys, each and every one of you. And if you guys want to interact with this podcast or see my daily life in South Dakota, follow me on Instagram at local podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends and annoy people with links to episodes. That would be super cool. If you're able to subscribe and review on, let's say, Apple Podcasts, you might be my new best friend. Thank you to the super awesome people that have helped me and inspired me. Thank you to my Instagram friends, our virtual gravedigger Mar, and don't forget Claude for my super cool theme song. Links to sources in the show notes. Come back next time for another fun historical marker exploration explanation on the Local Lou Podcast.